All right, guys. Welcome back to Conversation Saves the World podcast. For the first time on the show, we got a returning guest, uh, Matt Moa. Everybody say, hey. Hey. What's going on, Matt? How how are you? Um, I've been all right. We just got done fixing the windows here. You know, as we all know, the world's in a crazy state. I just thought I'd come on and share my feelings about certain things and just talk. All so, right. Him That's, fair. That's fair. That's mm fair. -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, let's um, just... Yeah, let's jump right into it. Yeah, let's okay. just dive right into it. So what's uh, some of the stuff that you're feeling right now? What's some of the stuff that's going on inside that you want to, you know, get off your chest? Well, um, I told Kyle about this, but for the viewers and for, uh, you go by Joey or Joseph? Doesn't matter, man. Whatever yeah, makes yeah, you comfortable. Go by Joey. I, I'm, a, I'm a man of many names. I, I'm <laughs> Joseph. I'm Joe. I'm Joey. Uh, I get called by my last name, Nixon, all the time. So right. it's a man of many names. You go by Nixon. His, his actual nickname is Explosive Joseph. Uh, Explosive uh, Joseph as well. So. <laughs> all right, Joe. So if you didn't know, um, there were some talks about a certain Asian cop in that George Floyd situation. And uh, that gentleman there who stood by and didn't do anything to stop him from uh, dying, he was actually a part of my ethnic group. Um, really? Yeah. He, uh, I, I brought it up the last time I was on this podcast. And you have to realize how strange it is for among men to make it into the news, okay? Because we are the minority of minorities. We do not have a sovereign nation. I've, I've, I've stated that before, but just mm -hmm. for the viewers, we don't have a nation. We are an ethnic minority, the minority of minorities. So the fact that we are now in a news story that went global, it is shocking, okay? Um, and with that being said, uh, long, long before this situation, I had trying, I had been trying to bring up a uh, talk of race relations between uh, blacks, Asians, whites, uh, in, along my Asian friends, and they always tended to um, brush it off. Okay. And now that this is in the news, it had me shaking at my heels. And I, I really feel like uh, no one had been listening to me beforehand. And now it's here. So for the Asian American community, we just, we got to talk about these things. So with that set off, I was browsing my Facebook feed and uh, more or less, it was, it was pretty divided. I saw some people saying like, fuck the protesters, Trump 2020. I saw some people saying Black Lives Matter, this and that. Yeah. Uh, there's this uh, girl that I grew up with. She's a lot younger than me, but she has uh, a boyfriend who's black. She ended up being very outspoken. In it, and uh, I was, I was happy to see that. But it was not how you would, it, it wasn't towards one side, uh, at least from my site. I saw that in the Asian American community, it was very split. Some were reluctant to support uh, the movement. Others were totally against it. Um, so it's, it's not as clear cut as it should be. Mm -hmm. And to Kyle, I have to tell you that um, a lot of times, uh, blacks will believe in coalescing other minorities and making allies. But I, I got to tell you guys that um, in the Asian American community, it's, it's not always that way. 
and I've brought it up on the previous podcast before, okay, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a divide in the Asian American community. There are the ones who say, we need to stick with black people because they are minorities like us and they understand what it's like to be marginalized. So we'll, we'll ally hood with them. And there's the other half who says, no, if we work hard enough, then the white society will accept us and we will blend into the dominant society. And there is this struggle that goes back hmm. and forth. I have never seen those two ideologies clash, but I know that they exist. I know that it's out there. I know that the split is there. Okay. Um, there is this gentleman. I might have brought this up on the last podcast too, but I was watching this show called The Color of Fear. And okay. they had people from all sorts of backgrounds sitting down. And the Chinese guy openly admits when I was little, my parents told me, don't let the black people inside, otherwise the white people won't want to come in and eat. He admitted that. He openly admitted that, okay? So you, you have to see how Asians are sort of in this dynamic where they can play two sides of the coin. They can say, no, we're oppressed. Let's side with the blacks. Or, no, we're, we're like, look, we're model minority. We make the most money in the country. That's statistically true. Asians, although a small minority, they make even more money than whites. And uh, mm-hmm. they will go out of their way to support maybe even alt-right white supremacy that has happened before, that's, that's been there. And now with this all happening, um, I, I just hope that some people's eyes are open to that uh, subject of talk. Yeah. Okay? And so I just want to end my little monologue here. I got a lot more to <laughs> say, but to, to Kyle. Do you have a sense of patriotism with this country? And if you do, how do you maintain it? Hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a tough one. Um, so I think I can answer this one by um, like citing a video I watched the other day. I shared it with um, some close friends of mine. Um, do you know M? KBHD, I think he's a tech reviewer. He's a no, black no, guy. I've never heard of him. He's really, really popular on the internet. Um, he reviews tech and he had something to say about like everything that's going on with this uh, like racial issue that we have going on. Mm. And <clears throat> one of the things he, one of the main points I took away from it was that like, and I'm going to make this personal to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is what like the idea that he said, right? Is that like, so when I do something, right, when I do something, it's not that like, for instance, I, I used to play football, college football, right. uh, high school football, peewee, whatever. When I play football, it's not that I'm just a good football player. I'm a good black football player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, uh, let's say uh, I'm a good student, for example, right? Um, I'm not just a good student. I'm a good black student. So like when it comes to being an American and um, patriotism, um, I just take it just as that. Um, But a lot of people, I would say, um, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but some may look at it like, oh, this guy is a good, like African American patriot. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So the way I look at it is that like my friends, my family, um, you know, my lineage has spent a, a decent amount of time here. Um, and, you know, I would die in a sense for uh, protecting my neighborhood in a sense, you know what I mean? Like um, 
so like, you know, I would have no, uh, I would have no issue joining, uh, military. I would have no issue like voting or no issue, you know, things like that. So one of the ways that I see myself holding on to my patriotism, right, is just by removing race altogether, right? I don't think that race is a, a very, um, I don't even think you can possibly fit racial issues. I don't understand how it has become um, a political like grab, you know what I mean? Right. right. Um, and, you know, so I think when you start looking at, um, and that was gonna be one of my questions to you, is that if you think that um, like a lot of that issue, uh, let's say with George Floyd, is a racial issue or is it just like a police brutality um, towards like economically challenged individuals, right? Which right. normally happens to be black people yeah. and any other minority race out there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to hear your answer. I want to reciprocate, or reciprocate that question to you. To my, my sense of patriotism? Do I yeah. have one? Yes. Okay. So this is going to be a little history lesson, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you might hear me say this a lot, but I brought it up on the last podcast too. Okay. During the Vietnam War, the United States noticed that there was communist activity in Laos. Laos okay. is a country that's right next to Vietnam. But the thing about Laos is that it's a neutral country. So the United States realized they could not send troops into that country. So they went by the mountainside and they saw a group of people living there. My people, the Hmong people. And they went to the Hmong people and they said to them, we heard that you guys don't like communists, so fight for us. And the CIA went and they armed us with weapons and so when they armed us with weapons, we fought for the United States as a proxy army. We were on the side of the United States. They were also Hmong communists as well, but uh, that really bleeds into my dad's story where he lost his father who fought for the CIA. He was a CIA agent. He was actually a double agent who would infiltrate North Vietnam and re relay information back to the CIA. Wow. After his death, my dad uh, became a war orphan, and he actually became a child soldier. And what happened was that the United States actually bailed on the Hmong people. And the communist regime deemed that it was going to enact a genocide to kill all the American collaborators. So my entire ethnic group got hit. Now, you, you can imagine what type of situation my dad would be if he was a kid, he was a child soldier, he was born during an, an ethnic cleansing. So he comes to the United States, okay? And to, to Kyle, he's asking me, do I have a sense of patriotism? Yes, yes, I do. Absolutely, 100%, <laughs> I do. Um, but that's not to say that uh, it's without hardship either, okay? Because mm -hmm. when we came to this country, uh, I, I said this before, but a lot of us came here with nothing, we were refugees. And with that, we had to apply for government assist and that meant that we had to live in low-income neighborhoods. That means we had to live in crime-infested, drug-infested uh, neighborhoods. And the parents just ended up working to make ends meet. The children that grew up in that environment ended up being influenced by that culture. And they ended up forming their own gangs. Mm. And as they migrated eastward to cities like Minneapolis and uh, Wisconsin, they brought their crime with them. Mm. And you had a lot of 
home gangs popping up during the 90s. They had a really bad epidemic. My dad was a church elder. He'd always get phone calls saying, my son or daughter just got involved with this. So you'd have to go in and speak to them. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the Hmong experience with African-Americans. Some of them have had friendly relations, others not so much. But on the white side of things, there are three things that make up a staple of Southeast Asian culture. It is fishing, farming, and hunting. So when they come to the United States, they, they, they want to do those things. But what type of people in the United States practice those three things? White, rural people who have had no contact with any other ethnic minority. So when a mass exodus of Asians moves into this community, having yeah. no clue of all <laughs> yeah. these unwritten rules, it reads a lot of ethnic of, tension. You got a bunch of Asian voters and yeah, that's what <laughs> fishers all over the place. Yeah, They yeah. went up to uh, Wisconsin, and it was not good. The worst case was with the Vietnamese community down in Sea Drift. Sea okay. Drift, look it up. It's when the Ku Klux Klan got involved. Um, mm. Because what happened was that the Vietnamese didn't really speak a lot of English, and they were breaking a lot of the unspoken rules for the uh, crab fishermen. And so mm. the crab fishermen, the white fishermen, they actually made a complaint to their government. And you, you can see where the government fails on this part, because despite all the complaints by the white fishermen, the government took no action to integrate the Vietnamese people. And as a result, they turned to the Ku Klux Klan, and you had a race war. They were firebombing one another's boats. They were brandishing machetes. They were killing one another. And eventually, uh, the Vietnamese people got smart, and they called in the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they got the Klansmen to move out, and everyone realized that this can't keep happening. And supposedly, to this day, tensions have simmered down, and I guess they get along fine now. Again, I don't mm -hmm. know what's going on, but that's, that's what's happened. Okay. Yeah. So, um, with that, that's that's the story. Um, and regarding my father, he actually didn't have to move into the projects. He was sponsored by the church when he came to the United States. But even though he was sponsored by the church, he didn't end up being such a happy ride because uh, his oldest brother decided to move away from their aid, and things got hard after that. He actually got abandoned. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. Um. Well. You know, I, I want to speak shortly, and I want to let Joey speak. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to get Joe in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys are good. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, one thing uh, that rang the bell in your um, in your last talk was was that um, you were talking about history and the history of of your people and whatnot, yeah. mm -hmm. and like in a sense, like why you guys are here. Um, and you know, that's been a big <clears throat> question for me to ask, um, when I, when I look at some of the people who are here in America and, um, not saying that like, oh, you don't belong, like, you know, everyone that's here really doesn't belong, you know? Um, but like, I would say that the main thing is, is that, you know, they're just as your people, um, were like uprooted from home and yeah. brought here. Yeah. My people were uprooted from home and brought here. There's Europeans that were uprooted from home and brought here, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that brings a little color to the situation here. It, and and it, it's, uh, it's very interesting to look at it that way because, um, for example, like Serbians and Bosnians, right? Um, uh, a very 
like average white um, Caucasian uh, diaspora in a sense, right? Um, had to come here because their country was war riven by their own, you know, conflict in a sense. Um, and so when they came here, you know, most people come here with little to nothing unless they have some generational wealth from their, their uh, former country. Um, and, you know, they end up kind of being where minorities are and stuff like that, even yeah. though they somehow fit into the majority. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things to understand about the situation that it is, it's, it's a big, it's a bigger thing. I, I truly believe to this day that it's more of an economic um, issue than it is a racial issue and um, not discrediting all the history that people have went through, but the socioeconomic effect of today um, was caused by the history that just about everybody went through. Um, and then secondly, um, with all that history that you just, that you just shared, I had no clue about any of that, you know? No. Um, and it, it's, it's a very, hmm, it's a very unfortunate thing, you know? And, you know, that's kind of how my people in a sense, um, or the econ the socioeconomic, um, uh, targeted groups of America in a sense should look at it because um, if you look to the past to learn you can be more present in the now to take advantage of different things and then also um, use that present to mold your future you know um, except for being like because uh, I've met tons of people who are just so angry about the past that it, it makes them this very um, not present person which is I don't really believe is uh the best like uh trait to to carry throughout life oh yeah <clears throat> but um yeah i, I want to hear what joey has to say about this he hasn't really talked yeah much. yeah i know i have been letting you guys uh you know yeah. say some stuff and i've just kind of been jotting down some stuff but it is mind-blowing to me and like kyle and i talked about this yesterday where you know i will never understand what you guys go through and it's part of it is unfathomable and the fact that you know the asian community has basically where they're trying to choose a, a team basically between blacks and whites where oh no we got to be with the whites because we'll be more popular or no we got to stick with the blacks because uh we're minorities that's crazy for me to hear um and i never knew that and that's kind of mind-blowing to me and um, what Kyle, you just said about, you know, people being angry about the past. Do you think that, um, it's a generational thing where, because, um, previous generations are upset about what happened, they put it on their kids and then they put it on their kids and it just trickles down. And that's why we can't see change is because, um, older generations are maybe teaching um and this goes same thing with like white people like maybe like we're taught to like hate minorities or something do you think that's what's happening or um well um you know <clears throat> i think it's very i think it's very natural 
and instinctual for parents to pass down knowledge, you know, especially mm -hmm. human beings, right? Um, and I think that's one of the traits that makes us human beings is, uh, you know, separates us from, from all the mm -hmm. other creatures here is that we can, we can share deep experiences with, um, with our youth or people who just want to listen in general. Yeah. Um, I believe um, that it is, it is a hundred percent a, a, uh, it is a hundred percent a generational effect. That's, that's really the, the idea of the socioeconomic um, gotcha. issue, right? Is that the, either the knowledge, how to get out of, uh, you know, the hood, you know what I mean? Is not there or the knowledge to start a successful business or uh, this, that, the other. It, it's, uh, it, <clears throat> it definitely comes from that. Like, like, for example, like my parents, you know what I mean? My yeah. parents definitely taught me a lot of what they, have experience with, let's say, white people or uh, uh, this, that, and the other. And a lot of it's very true. But going back to what Matt just said, like, um, like <clears throat> when you find yourself, um, when you find yourself noticing your people, right, trying to pick a side, it's very natural and I think everyone does. I think you can see it in the white community by you got your wiggers, right? Uh, for for a, for a, a thing. Um, and you, you got your strong-hearted uh, patriots who are, who are whites, but you got the same thing in the black community. You got some black people who just like, um, are can literally be seen as racist to other black people, you know? Um, so, you know, that's something you're gonna live with. You know, that's something that's going to be there till the end of time. Um, but uh, to answer Joey's question, though, it, I definitely think that it, it generational effects of whether it's wealth or knowledge or whatever is a huge thing. And um, it normally starts with like <clears throat> uh, I, I heard a fact just as just as to close. I, I heard a, a saying or a fact or whatever from one of my buddies said that generational wealth normally starts um, with one person, right? And then it normally gets its effect two to three generations after the fact. So it's like really just like a person deciding to do better and that's what makes it better, you know? Um, and you probably won't even see it in your lifetime. So it's just kind of like a very selfless act to do. And then uh, Matt yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> Um, so you were talking about, again, light on <laughs> you're good. Uh, you were talking about how, you know, people are choosing sides. You're yeah. seeing all this stuff happening in the Asian community. It's just, what, what do you find yourself doing in all of this? Like, I, I, wanna, I want to expose people to conversations like this. Okay. I want to open up people's eyes and I want to mm -hmm. move, uh, towards progress. I don't like choosing sides because like frankly mm -hmm. if i choose like the white man i just feel like um, um a puppet they say the model minority thing and frankly a lot of times they just use that to demonize black people they say like if systemic racism exists how come asians are doing so well and how come they aren't committing so much crime like the blacks you see that mm -hmm. That's do with us and if i go and i choose um the 
the, this minority coalition, the Blacks, and that I notice leads towards this uh, anti-white hatred sentiment, which I don't want to ban on either. And it, uh, the people who choose that side are pretty closed-minded. There's the other side too. They don't like to listen to other opinions or just like see where they really stand. And what bothered me the most is that I have a lot of friends who think that Asians should coalesce with black people, but they just don't understand how many Asians actually would rather prefer to blend into dominant society. And it, it irked me that they didn't see that. And um, I had such a hard time trying to bring it up to them, but they'd always just like skew away from the conversation. So there was that. Mm -hmm. And what, this is such a corny and cliche answer, but like, I, I want to work towards unity, okay? I don't yeah, want to choose a side. No, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's always uh, a good thing to work towards, though. I mean, that's, I feel like that's what our podcast is trying to do, do is just build these conversations and try to, you know, have some unity between whoever's on the show. To save the world. To save the world. But as a, <laughs> um, as a side note, if you guys didn't know, the cop that killed George Ford, uh, his wife was actually Hmong too. His wife was. You see that? So I don't know what type of shockwaves that would send throughout my community. That's a very real thing, and it shows you kind of how Asians, they, they really try to blend into the dominant society, sometimes be it through marriage. So there's that. Well, um, you know, and <clears throat> you know, I don't think it's fair to yourself, right, and maybe to others, to try to take that stance of of picking sides, um, because like that, um, not only destroys equality, it destroys um, unity, and um, so, you know, when you're trying to make that step, right, this is literally like the, the, the decision to become uh, a person of religion or a person of, let's say, of uh, mantra, you know, a person who is, let's say, um, trying to live by something, you know, it, it's a very, normally these things are very selfless acts, you know, um, and, you know, the pride normally kicks in when you have to look at the things that are almost uncontrollable uh your socioeconomic situation your skin color um your uh, i don't know i oh, i can't think of a third one but uh <laughs> for the most part like the the idea that you have to pick a side um is so apparent in america and i think that's like a part of the social view that wants to eat you alive in a sense and that was just that's like a quote in a sense from from my dad which i know he heard it somewhere else but um like society will eat you alive if you let it you know um if you decide to take all of your energy and put your um focus and intentions towards um what's going on in society rather than trying to better society um, you, you will probably get eaten alive and end up just like not yourself. You, you'll look in the mirror one day and just not be yourself. Um, yeah. So like, you know, if, if I could say anything about 
from like an African-American standpoint, because all of those things go on in the African-American community uh, that you just spoke of. Um, and like, let's say if I tried to um, get involved with it uh, via Facebook, you know, Instagram or this, that, and the other without talking to my neighbors or talking to someone like you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'm not really, in my opinion, I'm just spinning wheels. You know what I mean? I'm not really doing, doing much. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and like I said, like I, I've met people who have become so uh, driven by society that they're, in a sense, I can't even recognize them from the first time. I, I let's say I knew them in the past, the first time I met them, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, um, I actually have a question for Joey because I want him to speak here, okay? Yeah. So the, there are two sides of things uh, that, that conflict one another, and I'm going to ask you. Do okay. you think it's better to see color and, and acknowledge it, or do you think it's better to not acknowledge color at all and just sweep it under the rug? Ooh, good question. It's curveballs. <laughs> so I'm going to do personally what it is I see. And obviously, I see, I see the different color. I see that we all are from different races, but it doesn't change how I treat everyone. I don't treat anyone differently. I treat everyone the same. I give them my respect. I give them, you know, um, <clears throat> like if they help me, gratitude. Just mm -hmm. I'm just really nice to people. And it's not that I don't see the color. It's just, I know it's there, but it, it's not at the front of my mind. Like, Oh, this guy's a black person. Oh, this guy. No, this is, this is Kyle. This is Matt. That's how you guys are just like anyone else to me. And um, it's not that I don't, don't see it. However, when there's issues um, going on in the world, right now with the racial injustice going on i do see the problems i do see um that there is a problem going on and i'm going to acknowledge it and it, it's and but i'm going to still treat people the same way that i always have but i want to you know support friends of, of mine who are minorities and I'm going to do what I can to, to make sure, you know, I'm supporting them. And in my case, I'm trying to figure out what's a good way to help people during this time. And Kyle and I felt like this podcast was a great way. And so we're having people come on, let's have a conversation, let's have a voice and, you know, unify uh, everything, you know, create that unity. Or, or what we can. Um, what we can, yeah. Yeah. Matt, I got a, I got a question for you uh, real yeah. quick. Have you ever, um, have you ever, like, I would say as like an adult mind or adolescence mind, right? Like some that can think well in a sense, right? I'm not saying <laughs> kids can't think well, but, you know, a, a grown mind in a sense. Um, have you left the country and experienced international societies outside of America? No, I have not. I have not. That's something I want to do, but I just simply haven't had the time or funds to uh, really think it through. Okay. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, uh, 
and my personal um, viewpoint on that is that I think at least once, um, I would like once a month for me, but like at least once like in, in, in your lifetime, um, I, I really suggest that you uh, do that, whether it's your home country or your how, home How do you have the cash to do that? How do you manage that? It works for an uh, airline. Oh. You, you throw it out there it's very lucrative it's a lucrative business no, i'm just kidding uh it's, <laughs> yeah I, I do a lot of hard work here in the states to be able to do that um so but one of the things is is that um for example um i went to um let's pick a random country i went to argentina right and so when i went to argentina um it's a completely different um animal in a sense right it's a completely different society different people, different languages, um, different rules, different laws and whatnot. Um, and it's not like I just go in and study things. Normally I just, I just go and pick it up as I go. But um, like, for example, like one way to respect people um, that I've heard, I think this is one of the biggest ways to show your respect for a different ethnicity or whatever is to learn their language, right? So 100%. now if, you know, if, if I'm not, if I'm not going to be ignorant and speak my language, I probably know you don't know. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to make an attempt, right. To, to speak your language to just for simple things, not like I'm trying to have a deep conversation with you, yeah. which I did in Japan and I don't, I don't speak Japanese, but I, I use Google translate to have a, a pretty deep conversation with, <laughs> a, with a guy. Um, but, uh, it definitely like uh, shows a sign of respect, right? And then um, following like, uh, let's say like culture rules to a certain extent, right? Um, culture is very different um, across the board. It's not a part of like religion, I don't believe. It's not a part of um, uh, society, it, it, I don't really believe. Um, you know, but like following like certain culture rules um, is, a, is a way to respect people and stuff. Um, but one of the biggest points here overall is that traveling internationally opens your mind to how other people live, um, how other issues are handled in different countries, and that there are other issues in other countries. Um, and, and that, I think that's, that's, a, that's a big one. And, and for example, to close, um, in Argentina, um, the Spanish, uh, I don't want to call them a regime, but like uh, Spain, for example, that country came and colonized um, Argentina. So when you go there, it's like a bunch of like white people, just like here in America, you know, but they fully speak Spanish, you know, and they're Argentinian and, um, you know, like there's different stuff going on there. All and right. We just had some technical difficulties. Uh, Zoom crashed. Kyle's connection was going crazy. Don't know what happened. We were talking about traveling, how we should do it, because cultures and societies are completely different. Kyle, take it away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to give it a shorter recap, is that I, uh, I highly believe that travel um, can, um, can really open horizons, in a sense, physically and uh, mentally maybe even spiritually, if you believe that way, um, to, to help you understand issues, right? Not, not just American issues or international issues, 
just issues at hand. And one of the, um, oh, I got some music playing on my bed. Um, one of the things at hand that I was trying to say was that, um, uh, let me collect my thoughts real quick. Yeah, you're good, dude. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had picked the country of Argentina and um, it, what a wonderful, beautiful city. It was very modern, um, different things like that. Um, but when I was going up to the northern part of Argentina, I had realized um, this huge like World War Z type wall. And um, on the other side of that wall was the, they call it El Barrio. And basically just means the ghetto, right? So the, the poor people, they literally built a huge wall um, just to separate that. And on the other side, it's literally like people living on top of each other with like uh, sheet metal um, and, and probably cinder blocks um, separating them from their neighbors and different things like that. Just living like probably no human should live, right? And to go deeper into that, um, it kind of just shows you that no matter where you go um, and no matter what society you enter, um, a very, you know, societies across the board are built in a, in a certain way that um, only a certain portion of the population holds a deep part of the wealth and you know the the other portion is just left to fight for it in a sense um so there's your um your deeply endowed people right you're really poor people right you got your like middle class and then there's a huge jump from like middle class to like let's say the nobles in a sense right um okay. and I, as i was going back to like in, in england and france and i, I want to say even egypt um, like it, it's been that way for a very long time and people have always revolted against it. Um, you know, societies have been hiding it in this way or the other way, but it's always kind of ran by like a certain group of people, you know, and, uh, mm. it kind of makes you come to an understanding that it's not only here in America, you know, it's, it's worldwide. Across, yes. Okay, I, I know this is just... Have any of you guys seen Avatar The Last Airbender? I love that, that TV show. One so, of the greatest shows. It's a, it's a show, and Kyle, what you were explaining in Argentina with like the walls and everything, mm -hmm. there, there's, there's an episode where they're introducing uh, Ba Sing Se. It's, a, it's an Earth Kingdom. Um, t uh, it's a kingdom. Mm -hmm. And the poor people or the refugees or people that are just coming into the city, they're mm -hmm. in the ghetto, they're in the poor yeah, yeah. Uh, part of it. And there's this giant wall separating them. Yeah. And then you go, it's like more of a middle class. And then yeah, you go yeah. into a no noble where like the king yeah, yeah. is. It's, it's crazy that what you just described is something I just watched on Netflix and something like that, that it's even in a kid's TV show. Like, yeah, it, I, I've heard all good, types of good things about uh avatar i used to watch it um when i was younger mm -hmm. uh, i it's on netflix i i, I want to get into it again um yeah. but i i just haven't but uh like uh yeah it's it's real like it's it's, it's definitely real yeah 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 i just i just thought it was a hilarious thing to bring up yeah. since you, you just talked about it and i just watched it so i it was perfect yeah 
So, Matt, yeah. um, off of what I just said, in a sense, right? Right. So, how, like, this is my question. Yeah. What are, this is my question to you. What do you think should be done with systemic poverty um, and racism? What, what do you, what do you, what, what are your steps or, or what's the next thing um, that you feel should be done? It's a loaded question, boy oh boy. I don't know, Joe, did you, did you hear answer. that one, Joe? No, my, I had to let my dog out really quick because he was yeah, no, puffing, puffing and bothering will, me. I'll catch up. Um, so I, I just asked Matt, what, what does he think um, are the next steps or what should be done with systemic racism and gotcha. poverty? Gotcha. That, that's hard to say uh, because I noticed that in politics, there's always a give and a take. There's always going to be one group that suffers and the other that benefits. Um, right. But um, ideally, okay, I just got done talking about my history, about how we fought against the communists in Asia, but mm -hmm. I'm not a Marxist. I want to say that, okay? Um, I'm an open thinker. If you pay attention to the Marxist views and their criticisms of capitalism, a lot of them are very valid. They yeah. say that in a capitalist society, greed dictates the moral output of society. And you see that. It says that the wealth gap grows. And we, I, I want to stay with the mixed economy for the most part, okay? Because capitalism, it actually works. So, uh, communism never will. But we can implement certain socialist policies to negate the negative effects of uh, not just capitalism, but maybe whatever governments they have running around the countries. Or maybe if they're a communist society, you could do vice okay. versa, you know? Um, I feel that. Yeah, that, that's a very loaded question. I wouldn't know. Um, systemic racism is built into a way where I actually don't know how the top people profit off of the ones that suffer down below. Flint, Michigan is actually like one of the biggest cases of, I think they call it redlining that ever broke out. And I think the way they did that was by, by cutting off the water supply to those neighborhoods they saved the money and they became richer. That, that was a perfect example of systemic racism. So with that. So one of the interesting things, two, two things, right? Mm -hmm. um, Flint, Michigan is a very like unfortunate case. And that, that's like, you know, my, they're in my prayer still to today. Um, but Flint, Michigan is a very diverse community too. There's very, very much white, um, white males or white males white people and black people who suffer from that. Um, and then also to, to state on how um, the top benefits off of the bottom is it goes back to slavery. Slavery was a perfect example of it. Um, you had the people at the top um, doing their business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just imagine if I were to run a, a business here and you guys are making all of the money. You get what I'm saying? But giving it to me, making all the money for me, but I'm not paying you, right? And so here, like the way that I feel it's set up is that um, it's like slavery has like evolved in a sense, right? And it's evolved to the point where <clears throat> people, 
the wages we live off of, right, are marginalized on purpose, not because that's like how much the action is actually worth, right? Um, but because this is what it's marginalized that you're going to get this much closer to the top um, uh, by saving or by, by investing, by the most that you can actually do without hitting an anomaly, right? Without mm-hmm. hitting the, the lottery or, or starting a, 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 a amazing business or whatever. Um, this, is, this is how much marginally you're going to get closer to me at the top, right? Um, before you hit it, before you hit a, a peak, right? Um, but that's like, that's like, in my opinion, that's, uh, that's what that systemic looks like. That's what that system looks like. Um, there, there was also, there was this documentary on Netflix. It's, it's a pretty good one. It's called the 13th amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shed some light on prison labor. I don't know if you ever seen it, but some people say that that was the new slavery, how it never went away and it was just taken and recodified to the prison systems. Or they take uh, innocent people, pr- imprison them, and they make them work for lower wages. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's another unfortunate case. They are still in my prayers today. You know, um, they're like this country that we are, you, I, and Joey, are benefiting from is is built off of like major inequality, and it's just not it's not right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like hard to say what to do about it just by the lights that we have on in this room you know what i mean some people around the world don't have that ability to turn on a light once the sun goes down you know what i mean um that's a privilege that every most uh i would say um most americans have in a sense but private prison private prisons um prisons in general um they're the perfect storm for, for uh, the evolution of slavery and to go into slavery a little bit more, um, which I have a really good book. If any of you guys want to read it or uh, find it on audible, it's called stamped from the beginning. And it really starts um, explaining how, and it's mostly uh, stemmed towards African-Americans, how we're, we were stamped from the beginning to not in a sense, make it, you know, and um but going into the civil war right with abraham lincoln and the uh the yankees and the confederates um the abolishment of slavery was an effect of that right um which it makes it seem like um it was a very heroic like you know task in a sense right or heroic Mm -hmm. thing but it was actually a political move to hurt the south because they they depended on slavery so much um and it was it was like a war move in a sense like just as in a sense taking out a water supply would be you know and so in my opinion if that was war move then there was a cause and effect line of that right so by them abolishing slavery they had to in a sense evolve slavery to a different like sense right and yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, segregation came about, um, different things came about, but it, it's still in my part, in my opinion, it's still very alive today. It may just not have a color to it. You know, do you think yeah. that there's been any progress made in anyone, even though it's just been like taking and codified? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I believe that there was progress. Um, there's always progress. Right. I should say. There's always progress because um, you get individuals like uh, one of my favorites, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. or you get individuals like um, like Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. in a sense, yep. um, who make or do what they can with what they have, in a sense, right? And that's like the kind of spirit of America, right? Um, but like that, you know, that's what kind of needs to happen in a sense. Um, so, I mean, like I said, if you feed into society um, the way they want you to, there's no progress. You're going to be stuck in the mud. You're going to be eaten alive and you're going to be for the pickings. Uh, for whoever wants to control you. Um, But if you take a step back, you know who you are and you know where you're going, there's always progress. And and in America, there's probably the most opportunity to have progress anywhere uh, in the world, you know? (laughs) So to to add to this, um, Joey, and I think Kyle and I kind of talked about this, but Joey, do, do you know what they called the Civil War in the South? In certain southern textbooks yes i know what the civil war was yeah but like do you know what they call it though in, in the south no i don't know what they call it they, in they the don't south. call it the civil war yeah. they call it the war of northern aggression oh yeah. yeah and so basically they taught that abraham lincoln was a tyrant and that the war was fought for states rights and that the mm. north was overstepping its power slavery was only a side issue and that the South actually had blacks that were integrated into their army, while the North had their army segregated. You see that? Is, uh, that's the thing that they, they teach. Um, I think even to this day, they, they still argue that. Uh, being uh, raised in the North, it's, it's nuts uh, hearing that. But I think the first time I heard that was in high school. It was from the teacher who, who used to live down in the South, and she told her students that, and uh, what, what's funny about that is that we were talking about how Asians sometimes support systemic racism. Uh, this is a little known story, but have you guys seen that one movie called The Greatest Showman with uh, Hugh Jackman, mm, right? The, the circus no, movie? yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, so basically the, uh, that was based on a true story, okay? And there, there are these two circus suites. They were the Thai brothers. They were Siamese twins, okay? They had this little piece of flesh that stuck the two together. So this merchant saw them and he took them and he brought them to America and they joined the, the freak show. And what they did was when they joined the freak show, they made a lot of money, but they were on a 10 year contract. And those two brothers racked up enough money. They left the circus. They settled down on the plantation and they owned slaves, even though they were Thai Asian men. They owned slaves, they owned a plantation, and they married white women. They converted to Christianity. They blended in with the dominant white society. And when they had children, their children fought on the side of the Confederate Army. You see that? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a little history for you. That shows that uh, that's, that's what people will do to blend into the dominant society. Not just Asians, but really anybody. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I think that that stems from like identity issues, you know, not knowing who you are. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. They were, uh, they were given away by their mother. That's, that's just that survival mindset. 
um, mm -hmm. talking about identity, uh, a lot of the stuff um, that we see here, at least for, for me growing up, uh, the messages that I kind of received from the media is that, uh, I don't want to get too much into it here, but like essentially that like white was normal. Okay, and what I mean by that is, uh, think about it this way, Joey. You're sitting next to me and Kyle, and you're saying, there's the Asian guy, there's the black guy, but I'm not white, okay? You're not white, you're normal. You see that? He's the normal guy. I'm the Asian, he's the black, you're the normal. That's yeah. that's how this society runs things. Gotcha. And, um, earlier you said that you don't necessarily like to see color, okay? Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna break down that argument for you. you. There are times when you shouldn't see color. Stick by that, okay? But the main thing that will totally destroy this idea of not seeing color is culture. When you sit in the room with me and Kyle right here, you're not mm -hmm. going to see color at all. But if you show up to my house, you see us speak our language, eat our food, <laughs> and dance our dance, you're going to know I'm white and they're Asian. And you're going to have to see color. Okay, I agree mm -hmm. 100%. You, you're going to have to uh, see people as individuals. But that usually only works when there's only like one black guy in the room and there's like tons of white people. That's how it works. When it's gotcha. the other way around, you're going to have to see color. You're going to have to. Well, yeah. Like, like, I, uh, what I was saying, like, sorry, I'm getting my thoughts. Yeah. I, uh, I see color. It's just <laughs> the way I treat people yeah. is, is no different than like anyone else. I'm not right. going to treat Kyle differently. I'm not going to treat you differently. I'm going to tr treat you how, I would treat anyone. Right. Yeah, I, I, um, I have, I have a take on that since we're going to go back to that. <laughs> um, and uh, by the way, this may be the last thing I say because my phone is about to die. Um, okay, so we'll wrap it up then. Yeah. So, um, uh, in my study, uh, in my study of theology, right, um, specifically monotheism, right. Um, Islam is a very interesting um, theology to study when you're talking about um, like racism and inequality and stuff like that because one of the um, key aspects of Islam is that it came when a time when uh, in that area that region uh, of monotheism the Middle East um, was um, going through large identity issues. There were pagans, there were Christians, there were uh, Jews all in like one area and they didn't know how to treat each other. They didn't know how to, even though they most likely looked the same, they just believed differently, you know? Um, one thing about Islam is that it um, preaches a certain bit of like a code of ethics in a sense. I think that's a, a very um, key point about it and that's why um still historically today it is seen as one of the greatest um i would say i don't know what to call it like theologies to like unify people it unified a lot of countries to be able to be themselves culturally but then to come together and have a um a unified um uh sense of like ethics in a sense they they had a unified code of ethics in a sense and um for example i think everyone knows this is that islam is highly um 
revolved around um, speaking or not speaking, but knowing one language, which is Arabic, right? So imagine this, you have uh, Matt over here with your ethnicity, you have Joey with your ethnicity. Let's say that we are um, derived from our ethnicity, right? I speak a certain African language, Joey, you speak, uh, what is it, Scottish or, you know, Irish, you know? Um, and Matt, you speak the native language of, of your people, you know? Right. And um, so let's say if uh, we were back in that time, right? Speaking one universal language would obsolete our culture to be able to just even respectfully talk to each other, you know? Um, so I think one of the ways that Islam tries to approach that is by creating a universal like law in a sense, right? Um, that you can still have your culture, you can still have your difference, your diversity, which I think is key for humans in validation, right? Um, but yet when it comes to dealing with different nations and, and sovereignties and whatnot, um, you know, there's, there's a specific way to, to deal with people and whatnot, um, which I think is a lack um, in today's world and um, more specifically in, in America. Interesting. Close point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we I think we should wrap this up because I don't yeah. know how how long I got. All right, so. we'll just wrap it up. Um, Matt, any last thoughts? Anything you want to say before we close out of it here? Um, just to anyone out there that's listening, especially if you consider yourself Caucasian, uh, the fact that you have friends of color means so much because you don't understand how much of an impression you leave on other minorities, especially the immigrant class. And you see that you're accepting of other people. It, it just means a lot. There's a lot of power in your hands that you don't know you have, right? So just keep that in mind. Right? That, that's my last thought there. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I think that's all a right. really good point. But all right, guys, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for watching. We actually now have anchor and spotify where we post these too so if you're listening to it thank you and if you're watching it here on youtube thank you as well but again thank you matt for joining in again it was great having you we'll probably have you on again in the future but we'll see you guys in the next episode like subscribe and don't be a, a, a troll in the comments <laughs> well now they're going to be a troll that's how it works you can't say don't be a troll because then they're going to then they're going That's to troll. True. Now they're just going to dislike <laughs> our videos, man. Come on. All right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Peace out. See you.